Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Welcome to the Christmas Pod Swap, where I introduce you to another great podcast I think you'll like, and they return the favour. But before that, I hope you had a good Christmas. Uh, you've had a nice time. It's tricky. We've not been able to maybe not go and see families. We've not been able to do what we normally do because it's been one of those years that I don't need to remind you of. But I hope somewhere, somehow, you manage to have a good time despite everything that's going on. And I'd like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year. Let's hope that 2021 is better. It's got to be. You can't can't be any worse, can it? Unless some mad bastard has a, another bat. Who knows? Merry Christmas, anyway. So, we're doing Pod Swap. This is where I introduce you to a podcast that you wouldn't know, maybe you wouldn't know, but I think you'd love. This one is called A Funny Taste in Music. It's hosted by the brilliant comedian Andrew Bird, and that's where he gets comedians to come in and talk about their favourite albums, memories of those of those times when they were buying these albums and just having a bit of a chinwag, and he's absolutely brilliant. Uh, Andrew, a very, very funny boy and a natural host, it turns out. And this episode actually features me. I'm not, it's not like that. I'm not being, I just thought, it, we just thought it'd be a nice, nice link up. You know, I'm on it. It's on the Insane in the Membrane. Why don't we do that? Andrew Bird also uh, was a, a past guest on Insane in the Membrane. And it was a really brilliant uh, episode. We had a lot of brilliant feedback for that. So check that out as well. But yeah, go and check out A Funny Taste in Music with Andrew Bird. Honestly, it's first class. A Funny Taste in Music with Andrew Bird. Hello. Happy with that. Hello. Hello. Welcome to A Funny Taste in Music. Thank you very much for listening to this. Um, where are you listening to it? Where, where, where are you listening to your podcast? That's what I want to know. You sp- you're at work listening to it? Good on you. Good on you. Uh, gardening. I've had someone tell me they're doing a bit of gardening while listening to this. Um, happy to help. Happy, happy, happy to be in your ear holes while you're doing a bit of weeding. Um, so this episode is with Rich Wilson, and I say at the start of this, Rich Wilson is one of the big reasons I've got this podcast because I didn't know how to do a podcast. I had this idea for ages, and I asked him how should I do it, and he uh, got me in touch with Paul, the producer. And um, and that's how it happened. So Rich is one of the main reasons this even happened. And I've been trying to get him on since the start. 
but Rich, much like me, is one disorganised motherfucker. And, uh, oh, the diaries of trying to get... I, I bet Live Aid was easier to organise than getting me and Rich, on, like, not even in the same room, on on laptops in separate rooms on clean feed was like an international incident trying to get us together. And even when we did this episode, I'll, I'll tell you what happened. Um, well, I'll be honest, Rich was 45 minutes late. Uh, he got the wrong train. After the fourth time we cancelled, this was a fourth attempt, he was late. And then about halfway through, my Wi-Fi just cut out in my office. I had to run through the garden to my house carrying a laptop and microphone while a dog was running after me. Try and set up. Didn't work. Reached out to do another podcast. Then I came back. I had to get my wife to pick the kids up. From... Basically, it's a patchwork clusterfuck of a podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Um, it's with Rich Wilson, who's got a haircut that you know that he's going to like good music. He's a brilliant comedian and uh, just a good man. He's a good man. And uh, make sure you listen to the Spotify playlist. That's going to go along with this. Hopefully, it'll be Oasis heavy. Let's see. Hope you enjoy it. A funny taste in music. The interview next. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Firstly, I mean, firstly, this this podcast wouldn't even be happening if it weren't for you. Wouldn't even do a podcast if it weren't for you. Because I said to you, because you've got your great podcast, Insane in the Membrane. That's right, mate. And I said, oh, I've got an idea for a podcast that I probably nicked off a mate, but let's not dwell on it. Um, and I said to I just asked you, 
like what sort of I thought there'd be like a, a website you go on and record a podcast on there or something. Oh mate, you went, no amazing. mate. <laughs> he said no. I've got like a producer. He's brilliant. Does it? He does everything. He knows how to edit stuff, and he does the lot. I'll get you in touch with him, Paul. And he is. He's he's excellent. Does everything, and and he decides on which a lot of bits that stay in the edit. So if this bit now of us praising him stays in, then his ego's getting out of control. <laughs> wait, like wait. <laughs> yeah, this is dust. This is definitely in. This is in. Yeah, um, we're, we're becoming a double act producer, Paul and I, because we also do a radio show as well. Uh, and we're becoming, yeah, we're becoming <laughs> this 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 mighty duo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah, so good. so yeah, that's how, yeah, that's how right. it, it got happening. So um, Go and yeah. And I, um, I mean, you were one of the first people I thought I've got to get on because you're, um, you're a music pusher. Whenever we see each other, yeah. we always, in a humorous way, try and we try to f- come out with the most pretentious way of asking <laughs> what music you're listening to. <laughs> Basically, when we see each other, uh, what are you chucking in your lug holes? Uh, what are you, <laughs> what are you uh, pouring in your ears? Some bullshit. I did one the other day. That made me laugh at how pompous it was. My wife. She was ringing me. I always have music on while I'm cooking, and she's ringing me that she desperately needs some. I'm not answering the phone because I can't hear it because the music's full blast. And she comes and she goes, Fuck, I rang you about four times. I said, Sorry, I was absorbing Jerry Cinnamon. <laughs> but it's playful. Happy. It's playful. That's the thing. It's yeah. playful pretension. So this is like this. This podcast is just like a standard conversation with me and you because it usually starts with what you're listening to. I mean, when I first met you, you had you had the classic early two thousands Liam Gallagher haircut, the yes, feathery, longer. Tell you're a front man of a band, or if you're at an Oasis gig, you'd look at you and go, "Yep, yeah, of course." Um, <laughs> that style yeah. of haircut. I mean, you've gone through styles. You're a man of good, good thick hair that you can go through different styles. But um, what are you at at the moment? Is it more more rockabilly? I think it's a mishmash of everything now. I think that's what people need to be doing because it used to be, as you know, you like we're all into Oasis, so we were all dressing that way, or you were a mod. Or you were a yeah. skinhead, and it was all very, you know, very. You were part of that gang, <clears throat> and I think now the way things are at the minute, there's no lot. There's 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 a bit of fashion, but people are kind of doing what they want, and I think mine is now a mishmash of everything, of hip hop and mod and skinhead and and I and I love it. You can just wear what you like and do what you want, and people. It's, it's what makes you happy, and if but it's nice if people look at you and go, "You look bloody great, mate." You know, so I think. It's just a, a mishmash of all sorts. I've got a yeah, bit of skating com- going on and all that. Yeah, we often compliment each other on each other's attire as well. We- It'd be a shame if you were a skinhead, I've got to say. You've got lovely hair. Be a waist. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't what it? What if imagine? there are skinheads? Waste? Well, I've never thought of that. Proper skinheads. Where you think, what a waste. There's bald <laughs> people that would die for your hair that you've shaved off. Yeah, exactly. But, um, <laughs> but, but for ages. So on. one of, one of the, uh, one of the um, uh, bands that you did, we, we quite often sort of... Uh, um, tell each other about bands and say, oh, you've got to listen to them. One of the ones you did ages ago, you gave me, and I've, I don't usually prep for one of these podcasts, but I did a bit of prep. Mate. Um, one of the ones that you uh, ages ago recommended to me was Maker. Oh, yeah, my boys. My boys. You gave me their, uh, it's it's more than an EP, it's got eight tracks on it. You gave me that. I listened to it a couple of times. And I thought, I haven't listened to that for ages. Oh, I'll, I'll prep before I talk to Rich. 
And as I like to do, sometimes when you listen to music, then you think, I wonder what they're doing. And then you Google them, you go on the website, and they just released they released their proper full debut album two years ago. Yeah. And I never put together as well that the bloke in the band is um, uh, the drummer, I think, is your mate, Gavin. Yeah. Gav, Who Gav, worked in yeah. Pretty Green. That's it, yeah. On the Carnaby Street. I remember you saying you go in Pretty Green, ask for Gavin, manager, his <laughs> mate's mate of mine, he might give you a discount. And I said, which, I said to you, which one, which one is it? And you said, you'll know from his hair. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, do you know what, speaking of that, because I've been mates with them, I don't know, must be 16, 17 years. And I remember they used to live, they lived down in, um, down uh, Medway Way in Kent. And I remember getting in a taxi and this is when I had my full uh, head of hair, my mod hair, and uh, getting in the taxi, chatting to the woman who was driving it, got to their house, and then I realised I hadn't told her where I was going. She just knew, but based on my haircut alone, <laughs> <laughs> she just drove me to their house. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't, and I just, I went, oh, we're here. She went, there you go, darling. And I went, oh, there's money. It won't talk about it. I went, I didn't tell her. I didn't tell her. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, they, they were <laughs> well That's known with the cab that. firms around the Medway area. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah, that. I feel like your hairdresser deserves some kind of compliment for that. I don't know how. Steve Riddle, um, and I think he's still still at the salon in uh, Rochester. I can't remember what it's called. Sorry, Steve. Um, but yeah, he used to run a mod night in uh, the Manor Club. The Manor Club, sadly, not no longer there. It got knocked down. But every Thursday, I think it was, I remember driving past with the, my partner at the time, Shell, and I remember, and I saw the sign up and it said Mod Club every Thursday. And I'm like, oh, I wouldn't mind checking that out. I hadn't really, I hadn't really got into the mod thing at that point. I'd always loved it, but I hadn't really explored it. And I remember I used to, we used to go down there religiously every Thursday. And then I got talking to Steve, who was the main dude. And you wanted to get in with him, like see all the main characters and that. You're like, oh, I would love to be mates with all these people. Got, yeah. got chatting with him. And then he went, well, I'm a, I'm a barber. I sort everyone's hair out. And then he, he booked it in, and then he used, to, he used to sort all of us out, me, Andy, Gav, because Andy and Gav, uh, they're, in, they're brothers in the band, Maker. And then uh, and he sorted us all out. Yeah, so it was kind of this big this big community. It was hairdressers and all sorts. It was brilliant. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, that that, uh, uh, that is a tricky one with uh, getting your hair cut. It's yeah. hard to find somebody to get do your hair. And what you have to do... Uh, which is massively awkward that I find is um, take a picture oh, with you. Yeah. But uh, when it's someone who <laughs> who is likes the kind of thing and likes the hair you like, it's, that's that's miles. Easy. That that saves the awkward awkwardness of walking in a salon in front of other women and saying, um, uh, "I don't know if you know, definitely, maybe I've got the album cover <laughs> with me." That's what I have to do. You know, and, they, and they, you think, oh, I just think I think I look like Liam Gallagher, and I'm like, I, I don't think that. I just like the air. Just, yeah. just, oh god! But yes, yeah, so I was. It's because Steve, and bless him, Steve Riddle, top man, top man. So uh, scared of well, cheese, that... scared of cheese. He's what? He's scared of cheese. He, hate, I think he. I keep saying this on every podcast. Every time I mention him, he's got a cheese phobia, which is which because he's his black belt in all this other stuff. He does the door, or, or, at nightclubs or used to, and um, and he's double hard, really cool, cuts hair, dances beautifully. But he's terrified of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> what a 
What a Tinder profile that is. Works the door, dances beautifully, cuts hair, but scared of cheese. Wow. So if you yeah. run to get into a nightclub and he's on the door, just take a bit of brie. Somewhat. I think Gav used to turn up with a baby bell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect because it's already in a wrapper. It's exactly. ready to, yeah, 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 it's ready ready to crack go. out at any already point. It's like, it's like some kind of cheesy kryptonite. <laughs> But he's double hard, and I probably shouldn't keep talking about it because he'll kick my head in next time I see it. Even though we're socially well, distant, well, he can do it with his mind. That's how good he is. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know if he would kick your head in because he's it'd be he'd be going oh, put that beautiful hair. I don't want to get blood in it. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's that. I'm too pretty to get my head kicked in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was I was reading about Maker. I was reading about their albums only yeah. two years ago. They've I'm so that bang that's done that's on there yeah mate I'm buying that that's getting it I want to get it I want to get the CD it looks like one that you want on CD not just to listen on Spotify oh I bought the vinyl I actually bought even though they're my mates I bought the vinyl yeah you feel like you should even more uh, yeah of course mates. you do you can't I think it's yeah I mean there's so many people expect everything for free oh you know sort out sort out but when it's something like that they put a lot of work into that I remember seeing when I first saw them they were, a, they were a, just a trio there was three of them, in, and I met them at the mod club, and I remember watching them going, I didn't even know them, just watching this band, I'm like, what? They are astonishing. And the, again, the, that, the girl I mentioned, Shell, who I was with, Gav broke his drumstick and threw it in the crowd, and she caught it. So she still serves, and then she just fancied Gav all the time. <laughs> it's like, and I just, I just thought they were great. And then we were down there again seeing another band, and the lads were there from Maker. They were sort of st- stood in front of me. And I remember watching this band and I leaned into it. was Andy, the Gav's brother, and I just I went, these are, these are shit, mate. I said, they're not as good as you lot. And he just turned around and was like, oh, nice one, bruv. And then we just kept bumping into each other. And next thing I know, we just we just ended up being like best mates. And they're, and they're like brothers to me. Like, we don't even see each other for ages, but we just we just know that they're still there. And it's one of them, like, if like we, if someone, one of them will go, oh, this has happened, this, this bloke, someone's been a bit of a tit. And we go, right, what do we need to do? Do we need to go have a word with this person? It's no like, oh, why? What did you do to wind him up? It's just like, this is, we just like, no, I love you. And whoever has upset you is definitely their fault. <laughs> it's like, it's really nice. Uh, They're good lads. I don't have that. My, my, mates, I def- my mates, I definitely have to inquire what they've done. <laughs> it would definitely I've be got my mates, mates like fault. that. I've got mates. And yeah. it probably, it turns out, normally it's Gav's fault. <laughs> yeah, you've got to the bottom of it yeah. now. Yeah, oh, Gav, it was you. You did piss on that bloke's car. Right, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that, the CD you gave me of theirs is 2006. So they've been at it a while. That, they've been they've, at it, yeah. they've released their, that album 2018. That's their debut album. So yeah, that's it. Been working at it, yeah, and they've been, um, they've some... smashed it as well because they because their inf- their biggest influence was the, was the Black Crows, and then oh, yeah. and then uh, Rich Robertson has become a mate of theirs, and they've they've flown out and they've they did a load of recordings last year year before in uh, uh, Levon Helms uh, studio in his barn. No way, yeah, mate. So they're really Levon Helm from the band from the band, yeah, Bob Dylan's the old dr- backing th- band. The, um, yeah, yeah, we'll have to talk about them at length at yeah. some point. The um, only the only singing drummer really that's allowed is Levon yeah. Helm. You can't have singing drummers, mate. No, he's the only one who gets away with it and yeah. looks cool as, oh, as so he does it. So cool. Oh, I'll tell you what, though, the drummer from a band called Evil Blizzard, he's the singer. He's all right. 
Yeah, you're gonna let him. I let him, him a pass. I ain't no love on Helm, but yeah, I'm not mucking around with them. Evil Blizzard, mate. Their keyboard player holds meat cleavers as he's playing, so <laughs> he's dressed as a pig, and he's got meat cleavers. <laughs> They've got four bass players. You ain't fucking around with Evil Blizzard, mate. Yeah, they ain't got any vegans in the band, either. No, no way. He's dressed as a pig with meat cleavers. <laughs> and they're all but dressed yeah, in, like, they've all got Halloween, different Halloween masks. Like, one of them looks like a giant baby, and he's got this big giant baby head, and then he's wearing this, like, disco sequins suit with, like, flared cuffs and and and, and, sh- and legs. And yet they play this horrible, filthy, dirty, evil heavy metal. It's bananas. <laughs> it's bananas. Yeah, the, Evil the, Blizzard. The, the Masked Singer. They stole that idea from them. <laughs> the but, drummer uh, sounds like Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, right. It's good, wow. man. Yeah, it's not normally my cup of tea, but we saw him at a gig. Um, I was with Phil Nickel, and we'd just done this gig at the O2. Not in the O2, above the bar in uh, All Bar One. And we hadn't, we hadn't had a great time, so we're hammered. We walked downstairs, and the gig itself was they were playing uh, Rainbow. Was, there was Rainbow, The Sweet. Uh, loads of bands like that. It's like this heavy metal weekender. And then we walked down, they put this stage in the front of the O2 by the doors. And on that stage, we walked down and we, I'm like, what the fuck is this, man? They've got four bass players. Four. What? Yeah, so we go wandering over. I'm like, we've got to watch this. So we're all jumping around, going mental pissed. One of them, the big baby, giant baby, jumps off the stage <laughs> towards the end. And he gives me his bass. And he just goes, just smash it, mate. Just smash it. We're gonna. I'll do all the buttons on stage. So there's this carnage going on, and we're whacking this bass, and we were banging it against the against the security uh, gates at the front, and we're going. Everyone's going mental on this bass, and he's just turning. He's turning the dials on stage. Like, it's mad, mad, evil blizzard. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, Got off track. No, that's what I mean. I, I started talking about Maker because I thought yeah. they're your mates. Let's, they are my let's mates, really yeah. plug them. And you, you've gone into one over <laughs> Evil Blizzard, but I can see why. One's dressed as a baby and hands out a bass halfway through the song. <laughs> that's a gig, isn't it? You I, get to go home with an instrument. <laughs> I had to give it back, but um, oh, right. otherwise you get, you get meat cleaver by the keyboard player. But... <laughs> yeah, good point. They act as their own security <laughs> when the drums got a meat cleaver. <laughs> but my, they ain't get, That stage ain't getting rushed, is it? <laughs> imagine that. Um, but yeah, Maker are, I'm so proud of them. They're just such a, bu- a good bunch of lads. It's like they really, really, it's really bluesy, yeah. sort of psychedelic. I think you'd call it that. It's oh, it's bloody good. It's yeah, like, it's like it sounds southern, a bit. It's like southern rock, a, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's a tiny bit like it's probably a lazy comparison. A little bit like Jet, but a bit more. Yeah, bit, you remember Jet, but yeah. it sounds a bit. It's a bit more psychedelic and a bit more oomph. Yeah, I'd it's say like, it's like a mash of like Jet. Black Crows, uh, the band, um, uh, you know, loads, the faces. Big, there's, they, I remember when I first met them, they were all wanging on about Rod Stewart. And I'm like, nah, I'm not really? having it. I'm not, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, the massive Rod Stewart fans. I'm like, no, Why? absolutely not. And then they started playing me Rod Stewart's old stuff, um, sort of pre-sailing. Uh, Pre-mullet. Um, yeah. Pre-mullet, anything pre or post-mullet anything for any after, band. Anything after sailing is yeah. fucking rubbish. But before yeah. that, and they were playing me like stuff by the faces and these old stuff, with Steam Packet or whatever it was called, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is actually brilliant because I was only aware of what Stuart from the 80s. So I'm like, no, yeah. this is dog shit. But um, no, yeah, so yeah, huge, huge fan of Rod Stewart now of his early stuff. 
Right, and, they, and Maker recorded their album. At, I just looked, I was reading about it, Rockfield. Yeah, mate. Where Oasis recorded What's the Starney. Yes, there's and, a picture. Um, I, there's, I think the picture in the, on the middle, in the on the inside cover, there's a picture of Gav, and he's actually sat on the wall, on the Wonder Wall, that yeah. Noel wrote, Noel wrote Wonder Wall. Oh no, he didn't write it on it. He wrote, he wrote, he wanted to. Yeah, he wrote Because there's that documentary on YouTube <laughs> yeah. where he wanted to record it on a wall. Yeah. So I've got a song called Wonderwall and I want to record it on a wall. <laughs> that and is when you know that the cocaine is great yeah, and you should not be trusted. Far. Yeah, yeah. That's why you have a producer to make decisions, but he was yes. off his head as well. But so that the producer there, that album's Nick, who worked on What's the Story. Yeah. And uh, he had, uh, from that, I remember he had, uh, Noel Gallagher was high and gave him his guitar that he played Wonderwall <laughs> on. And they used it on their album. How yeah. brilliant is that? Yeah, man. It's, the boys have smashed it. They've absolutely smashed it. And I'm so proud of them. I was their manager for about 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> what, what one decision did you make that got you sacked immediately? I just, I can't, it was just before, it was just as I was The starting. drummer needs meat cleavers. <laughs> they went rich. No. You know what you need? You need more bass. This is another bass. Another bass <laughs> Not player. More, yeah. What you mean? Turn the bass up. No, no, no. no. Four more bass players. <laughs> Evil Blizzard have got four. Let's go five. Yeah. Um, so it, I was. It was. Well, I was. I used to go to their to their practice sessions on a. I think, oh, really? Yeah, years ago. There was me and John, who's now their bass player, and we used to go, and um. I used to just I used to just sit in the corner getting pissed, um, and just listen to them do their stuff and muck around, and it was so good. Um, and then we just kind of I I don't know how it came about. I went well, I'll manage you if you want, <laughs> and I can't even send emails. I'm rubbish at picking up the phone. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, this, this is the fourth attempt we've had at doing this podcast, Rich. <laughs> Imagine if I so all I ended up you doing, you can't be a manager. I ended up, I think, what did I do? I booked them and we did a gig at the at the manor club, which was a success. Uh, we, we I said to them, right, we'll just have free to get in, but bring all your merch, people will buy it, you know, and that's how you make your money. And they were like, oh, I don't know, like, that'd be great, it'd be great. So we we did this. This is before they be this is before Ali joined the band. So I think this is just when they were still a there were still three of them. Um. And we did this gig, and, and I'm, I remember standing there, it was like, a gig starts at like eight, and I remember like quarter two, and no one's there. I'm like, oh shit, oh my God. And then suddenly it was like, it was like um, Field of Dreams. Just these people just coming out of nowhere, and it got rammed, and it was one of the best gigs I ever saw them play. All the merch sold out. It was like a proper Hollywood success story. It was wicked. Right. Yeah, it was wicked. And then, and then later on, I think I paid, I paid, they owed some money to the, to the, to the one that to the practice room where they kept going, so I paid that. Um, and then I booked in. I think I tried to book something else. I, oh, that we had. I had them on a night when we when I was up the creek in Maidstone, and I booked a night there with a guy called Scary Dave. Yeah. And Scary yeah. Dave was his promoter. He's still around, I think. And I said to, him, and when he turned up, I went, "Are you scary?" Or frightening Dave, I can't remember. And he lifted his shirt up <laughs> and it tattooed across his belly. It was Scary Dave. I cleared that up. <laughs> I went, oh, cool, right, we can move on. Um, yeah. If so, someone's got yeah. scary in in their name, <laughs> you know it's either scary or frightening. It's not someone who you question on their name, Rich. <laughs> it's, 
But just for anyone who's got that as their name. If he was like, called Approachable Dave, then, then question him. Fucking like scary Dave. Are you scary or frightening Dave? <laughs> I couldn't remember. I didn't upset him. Like, how do I? How do I? <laughs> you know, is it Mr. Scary? Is it Johnny Frightening? I didn't, I didn't know what to say. So I, I questioned it. And anyone who's got yeah. that in their name, come on. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> You're not scary. So what, what got you sacked or did you resign? I think I just stopped doing it. I think we just quietly and silently agreed that it wasn't wasn't right. It wasn't working. And then I they think said, and, I, and then comedy started to kick in. So I was getting I was starting to do that. So I was getting a bit busy. So all right. So I couldn't you know couldn't really do it. Didn't have time. All right. Yeah. So it's, oh, it's great when you know. So I know a musician. It's great when you know someone in a band. Yeah. And music means even more. And oh. it gives you an and it but it does make you angrier when you see the shit that's you know in the charts. Oh God, yeah. And the the shit that sells millions, and then you see how much someone you know, how much work they put in, how good they are. Yeah, yeah. And then they're, they're not getting a millionth of that. It's, oh, it's oh, ridiculous. There was that singer songwriter you sent me. Ah, oh, what's his name? John Allen. That's all John Allen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Allen. That's it. And his stuff is fantastic. Yeah, and he, yeah, he's and got he, his music's the start of this podcast, that little bit. Excellent. I, I remember you you telling me about him and then getting into it, and he's phenomenal. And yet, yeah, and yet, is there's so much dog shit on the in the charts and that? Yeah, it's, you know, I'm not. I mean, good luck to everyone. But I think what it is, <laughs> well, everyone, everyone, everyone. Good luck to you. But there's there, the thing is the right the world is run by basic bitches. Yeah. And that's why all these basic pro television programs and basic music reaches the the top because it's there's more you know there's more unimaginative people listening to it and I'll die on that hill I don't give a shit <laughs> I'll, uh, I'm interested I'll step up on that hill with you yeah come on mate move over <laughs> um, <laughs> all right so so I I sort of knew immediately when I met you well we're, we're probably going to like probably the same music I imagine yeah. just just on first sight. You can tell. Uh, I knew that by and footwear alone. Yeah, you can tell. And uh, I was, I was proved right. But you're, you're a little bit older than me, though. You're oh, a bit. Yeah. Um, but all that, even though you're older than me, I sort of. <laughs> you seem like if we were in the same year at school, we would have been mates. Absolutely. Undoubtedly. You know when you meet someone who's a different age to you, but you think, yeah, but if we were the same year, we'd have been mates. Of course we would. We'd but, have been, um, mate, we'd have been, we'd have been untouchable at school. Oh yeah, oh, well I was alone anyway, mate. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, uh, so you're li- what? So um, I was talking about it recently about how I think you're aware of music at about the age of sort of eight, something like that. Yeah, you start getting aware of it. You start buying your own around eleven, twelve. Yes, and then you get really obsessive around sort of fourteen, fifteen, maybe. So what sort of yeah. what what year were you when you were fifteen? What year would that have been? Um, that would have been what was seventy two, so it would have been eighty seven that I was fifteen. Right, so, right. But in the eighties, here's the thing, right? I grew up with with amazing music because my mum and dad had really good taste. I was really lucky. Yeah, uh, me like, too. Mum was massively into Queen and reggae and stuff like that, and my dad was into the Stones and blues. And we only oh, had, what I, a mix! Yeah, That's it was a great I had, mix. Oh, it was fantastic. I remember being taken out. I've said this before. Getting taken out to like Notting Hill, and there's this record shop. There were, I think it was just a door in a wall, and you went. We went in. We said, "Mum and Dad were really getting into reggae." And we went in this door, and then there's these massive Rastafarian guys at the at the counter, and they're all chatting away, and we're in there, and dad's the mum and dad are listening to stuff on headphones. They're going, "Oh yeah, we'll take that. 
we'll take that. And they're getting all this advice from the dude behind the counter. It was amazing. And then, uh, and yeah, it was my first, I'd never, I just remember being really little and just going, oh, wow, what is this place? And just, just the music was always around. I was very lucky. But then in the 80s, I started getting to like 80s pop music and I was a massive fan of Level 42. <laughs> like obsessive. I was obsessed by them. Really? I, yeah, I don't know why. It was, a, it was like, I don't know, something just connected. I just connected with them for some reason. And I had all their vinyl and I used to had a scrapbook full of their stuff. But then at the same time, I still had the, in, the influences from my, my dad. And the first band I ever saw in, uh, in, when I was 14 was The Damned. Hammersmith. Good one. Yes. What, on their, with on your their, dad? Yeah, my dad introduced me to punk. How about that? Oh, that's good. Yeah, he's 75 now, but yeah. What he, a um, dad. I was I've told this before. My first ever gig was with my dad. Really? Because I lived... Because where did you grow up again? In Kent? Alpington in Kent, yeah. Yeah. So you... So you yeah, you're a little bit, bit far out to be going into London on your own, maybe. But you yeah, probably you did weren't... when you were more a little bit older. But I lived in the middle of nowhere, so my first gig was Wembley Arena with my dad, Bob Dylan. Oh, wow. It's a pretty good one. That's but The Damned? Yeah, yeah. But I never bought albums. I mean, I never saw my, I never saw my parents buying albums with really? headphones on, asking for <laughs> recommendations from a Rasta. Yeah. <laughs> never had that. It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. And then we, I remember coming out and <laughs> everyone, because of the, you know, the smell of marijuana was quite strong in this place. I didn't know that's what it was. It just smelled because every, you know, it was in the seventies, late, you know, late seventies. So. Everybody smoked indoors, so everybody everywhere stunk of smoke anyway. Yeah, just blended in, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, so we, I remember being in there and we were, and we were like, oh, it smells unusual in here. And they're doing all this, all this music, and then we come out and mum and dad are like, oh, I'm really hungry, should we go and get McDonald's? <laughs> well, your your parents were stereotypical, weren't they? <laughs> it's really weird, because they were like that then, but now... It's like they... <laughs> These are good records, should we get lunch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all mash up. I had to, because now they're all quite, they're quite, they're, I don't know, I suppose because it's age, maybe, but they're quite, they don't like a fuss and they don't, they, I was talking the other day and my dad said, oh, I don't like David Attenborough. And I'm like, oh, come on, dad, how can you not like David Attenborough? And he's like, ah, oh, he's like a jumped up newsreader. <sighs> They've really <laughs> gone the other way. Controversial statements <laughs> on David Attenborough from your dad. He's still a punk, your dad. Yeah, isn't I he? think that's what it is. Yeah, whatever's he's whatever's... an old, old punk <laughs> giving it to the man, and the man is now David Attenborough. It never leaves you. It never leaves no. you. No. <laughs> so you grew you yeah. grew up with that, and then you went sort of level level forty two. Say yeah, yeah. forty two. So it's level forty two and jazz funk. Oh I really? Into, I was into yeah, and then yeah, and then it kind of and then. And then the sort of the explosion of the Happy Mondays and the baggy thing. Ah, oh, there you go. And that's when everything... I was waiting. I was waiting for it to turn. That's when... <laughs> well, I still had... Because I had the Smiths and the like... Because my dad, every every month... I know this now. I didn't know this at the time. But every month we'd go out at the end of the month and he'd, like, he'd buy a load of records. So obviously when he got paid, we'd go out. And then we'd spend... We'd come back on that Saturday afternoon... And he'd be playing all the records, and then and then going in, and then we just play music all night. It was brilliant. And he was oh, taping. Your dad sounds like you now. Yeah, yeah exactly. And your he was dad taping was like your mate, weren't he? He was taping stuff off the charts. Like he was tape. He used to tape the because we didn't have a we didn't have a radio in the car. We had this tape player, so he used to record the charts, and then we'd have it in the car. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I found out about uh, my dad's decorating album was Frampton Comes Alive. 
And every time he knew that was coming on, the dad would put that on and go, right, we've got to get out of the way because dad's decorating. <laughs> <laughs> See, I've got that with my mum that uh, I know every word of any Johnny Cash song because my mum used to have Johnny Cash was her cleaning music. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. There you go. See, <laughs> your dad, I like the thought you... I imagine you as a teenager playing music in your room and your dad banging on the wall telling you to turn it up. <laughs> yeah. Come Only, on, what's up with you, Rich? Turn it up. I'd tell you what happened. We were on holiday and uh, we were in Cornwall and I'd made all these cassettes. And they were. All, and mum and dad used to say, oh, these are really good. Well done, well done. I remember one day playing this. I played a load of, it was remixes by Level 42. But it was like, there was like three of each song, like one after the other. So you'd have like three of something about you, but because I knew the difference, I just had this tape on and I was playing it. And then halfway through, my dad went, I'm really sorry, but you've got to turn this off. I can't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing the same songs over and over. I'm like, yeah, but that's the remix, dad. And then as that, he goes, I don't care. He goes, turn it off. Brilliant. And then we had to put on the other ones. And then we had White Wedding by Billy Idol and everyone was fine. So, Lovely. Yeah. Yes, I like that as a telling off from your dad. Right, (laughs) I have to show some authority now. Turn that shit off. I'm not having this, mate. I'm not. I'm not. I I do remember that. um, Where I did worry what my mum and dad thought of out like my generation of music. In that, I I clearly because I knew they had like the Stones, the Beatles, the Who, Johnny Cash. That's mainly what my mum and dad listened to. Yeah. So I thought, well, can't argue with that. I mean, they've got. They're in a position of authority there. And then I used to watch Top of the Pops, and my dad used to walk in the back door of the house, go through the garage, he was a builder, walk through the back door, a carpenter, and walk through the living room. So he'd see and hear what's on telly, glance at what you're watching. And if Top of the Pops was on, he'd always walk through it, the shittest song, and you had to, like... You had to take the blame for it, like it was yours. <laughs> and my dad would walk through and go, "Oh fuck, what's this fucking shit?" I'm, like, yeah. you, oh. I'm just watching the program as a whole. And that's why it was so great when Oasis come along. You could finally go, "Yes, that oh, stands yeah. up to everything you've got." <laughs> but so for you, were you how old were you then when like the Manchester baggy Happy Mondays? So that would have been in 80, 80, 1988, So I just left school. Oh, brilliant! And Perfect. Age. It was it was everything. Like you could suddenly wear all these magical colours. Um, you could jar, you could listen to anything. Uh, it was Sean Ryder that you know listening to Sean Ryder interviews and watching him on stuff. And and it, there was that, there's a story of him locking himself in his studio and just having a new sexy thing by Hot Chocolate on a loop <laughs> as he sat in the dark. <laughs> With just this down, 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 down. <laughs> and it taught me that, yeah, you can listen to anything. You know, hot, because back, back then, you know, like, I'm not listening to hot chocolate. That's mum's music or that's mm. old people's music or whatever. And then they were listening to, you know, uh, country and Western and all this other stuff. And it really opened me up. It was, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, be influenced time. by loads yeah. of different stuff and yeah. make it new. Yeah, it's brilliant. And wearing my salmon pink kickers. I had salmon pink kickers with purple stitching and uh, yeah I had like big baggy jeans and then you'd have all these like flower power tops on like, tie dye and all this stuff and then I, had, I grew my hair into curtains yeah. yeah I was like any picture you see of anyone from that from that time that's what I look like yeah 
Yeah, I can, I can see it completely. The Sean Ryder curtains. <laughs> yes, that's how. I, that's how my the mother of my kids and I got together because we were at a party, and I looked across and I was like, "Oh wow, she looks amazing." She had like Cleopatra's hair, Doctor Martins, and these colourful tights on. I'm like, "Ah, oh, I've never seen a girl like that before." She was really cool. So that's the sort of girl you see at you see them at uh, gigs. Yeah, and they're always with other fellas and like cool looking fellas. I'd never seen someone like that at, at, at a family do. And there she was. Right. And she looked at me, she's like, I was dancing like uh, like Sean Ryder at this party, and that's what attracted me. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you've parted your curtains and your eyes met. <laughs> <laughs> I had curtains. That's a hairstyle I don't think will come back. God, no. I don't know. It just I looks... mean, you, you would have thought bum bags would never come back and things like that. Well, that's like, well, yeah, everyone's got them now. They might. They might. That's going to happen, I reckon. One day there'll be a weird fashion of retro. Eight, late eighties, early nineties curtains. Curtains, and because we'll come back. like my missus Jade, she always it just screams uh, that that hairstyle just screams Lynx Africa, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, can almost smell yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She did, she did a whole bit of it about about it in her show. It really made me laugh. I was like, oh my god, it's exactly how it was. Clumsy sex, Lynx yeah. Africa, and curtain hair. <laughs> yeah, I was more Java, but yeah, um, I. Uh, so did you like? Were you in the Smiths, or was you more in the baggy kind of? Was you in the Stone Roses as well? I was. I was a Happy Mondays. I was more Mondays than Roses. Oh right. But I loved them both. But I was yeah, more. Yeah. I was more Mondays. Mondays just. I don't know. They just seemed to speak to me more than the Roses did. The Roses seemed. They would seem to be more fun with the Mondays. Yeah. You know. Does that? I bought a. Um, when a, you know when Q Magazine does like a whole magazine of just one band of all their articles through the years. Yeah. I bought that about the Happy Mondays. I really got into them at one point and um, like only like about 10 years or 15 years ago, so way after. But mm. I um, I really got into them and I read a story about Sean Ryder woke up on the tour bus next to somebody, uh, one of the roadies or something, and they'd thrown, they were so drunk, they'd thrown up all over Sean Ryder. And he woke oh up covered God. in vomit and went, oh, like that. And the bloke next to him went, sorry, Sean, that was me. And Sean went, oh, that's all right then. I thought I'd disgrace myself. <laughs> 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 These are proper stories that you don't, you're not going to get anymore. You ain't getting that. You ain't getting that with new bands. No, you want rock stars, mate. You want them to be upsetting people and and things like that. That's why we want them. To, that's why they, we put them on these pedestals. Like, yeah, go and smash that up. Go and do the things you shouldn't do. Say the things you shouldn't say. But now everyone's worried they're going to get cancelled. Yeah, so no one those, says anything. Yeah, no. Yeah, I love those. Um, you're not going to get documentaries like you get about about like uh, factory records, all of those stories of like they they spent like £250,000 on a on a table. <laughs> for the boardroom. That was wired to the ceiling. <laughs> and then the Happy Mondays all went and sat on it for a photo shoot and completely destroyed it. <laughs> and then where did the Happy Mondays went to? Um, where, they went to Barbados, They sent it? her to, to Barbados. Because the drugs were getting out of hand and they sent her to Barbados. To clean not, up. Not knowing that Barbados at that time, at that at where they were, was like the crack capital of the world. <laughs> yeah. So there's a moment I think Sean I think mean, didn't Sean try and sell the sofa from the from the studio? Trying to <laughs> yeah. drag it out of the thing. Saw someone else walking up the beach wearing Bezzy's clothes or something where <laughs> he'd flogged them to someone to get crack. Yeah. And then held the tapes uh, uh, uh hostage until more money was sent. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And when the tapes finally came back, there was like I think there was like no vocals on any of it, <laughs> and it was just just a sludge. And when uh, Bez kept crashing jeeps, he crashed the jeep, smashed his arm up. Now those, oh, you know yeah. that thing with the framework and the pins. Yeah, there's that famous photo of him, and he had that. And then he, when he's out of hospital, gets another jeep and does it again. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what you it, want. Yeah, but it's like he didn't have a lot to do. Anyway, yeah, but mate, imagine he's only that. got a dance and he's fucked that up. <laughs> so you're really in the Happy Mondays, and then from that, did you? Where did, yeah. Was you then? You said you became a mod. Was that long after that? That was later on. I think I don't. I got into it much later. It would have been because then when you had because Britpop had happened, and there was that was quite a mod vibe in the nineties, mid nineties. And I never even, I really wanted to, but again, like it goes back to what we said, I didn't know how to ask to, where to get your hair cut. I was very shy. So I kind of like looking at people going, oh, you look really cool. And never really, you know, didn't have the balls to to, to ask where you got it, where you yeah. got that sort of look. That, that's why done. Pretty Green was such a good shop. Because you just went in and went, here yeah. it is. Here it is. Yeah. It's all there. Yeah. laid out in front of you. Oh, I never knew where to go, where to get yeah. it. And, um, you know, because that, that, I'd say that's uh, the look I'm going for. I said when I used to go into Pretty Green, I said, I, I, "What my look is uh, a rejected Pretty Green model that won't take no for an answer." That's the look <laughs> I want to. And when I get him a haircut, uh, I say to them, "I want to look like I am the the songwriter and guitarist. I'm not the front man, but I'm the creative driving force of a band." <laughs> it's quite a specific hair. Yes, yeah, it's, like it's quite hard for them to get that right. To be fair to them, <laughs> but it's difficult. When you, like you say, you don't know. So, so when shops like that open, you go, oh, okay. For people that don't know, you go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. Although I got, I got a bit fed up with like Lambretta and things like that. That that clothing label because it was. I remember talking to Anthony, who used to be in make. He was a keyboard player, and he and I remember this is before he was really into it. And really into, and I remember him, him making a comment. He goes, "Look, if it's got a Lambretta on the front or a, or a Target on it, don't buy that <laughs> album because it's like it's you know it's like the Asda of mod. Do you know what I mean? It's like anything it's that's good, got that it's on a good it. Rule of thumb. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like it's just going to be. It's not going to be the true. It's like theme a home brand version. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like a Woolworths used to do compilations, and they'd like best of mod, and it would have people on scooters and a Target. And they'd be at the, at, down at Brighton, you know, and they're like, that's not even real mod. Real mods wouldn't have got involved in all that scuffling with the rockers in the in the early 60s because they would have scuffed their shoes. No one's doing that. <laughs> Good point. By the time that became mainstream, your real mod was already off doing his own. I like that thing, thing about uh, the Parker is, uh, like we think of it as a really expensive, cool coat. The Parkers were, they, they had those coats so they could put them on the floor and lay on them while they fixed their scooters. That's what they were for. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and yet they now cost two hundred odd quid. I know. I've had a couple of them. By my dad. My oh, dad what bought a me them. Dad. Yeah. Took you to the damned. Yeah. Bought yeah. you a Parker. He, he, bought, he did a proper one with a, with a detachable detachable hood with the metal in it that yeah. keeps it upright. That keeps the hood upright. Yeah, proper proper one. I can't remember what it's called. Like and it's an AR fifty two or whatever it is. I can't remember. I like that. In a lot, called, a lot of dad son relationships, it's uh, <laughs> buying your first pair of football boots. In your house, it was. Here's your yeah. first Parker son. 
You've it's come of age. Record. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah, the damn on bollocks. at nine o'clock. We've got to go. <laughs> but he took me to see loads the last band we went to see together he, uh, he said he's like, oh, I'm a bit old for it now but we it used to be that's how we kind of that's what's that's how we kept our relationship going because we didn't have a lot else in common but music was the thing that that, that bound us together we went to see PIL at Electric Ballroom oh, in right. Camden and that was about whenever that was four or five on, years said, ago how old did you say your dad was and I mean, yeah so he was about 70 now. at the time. So he was... Going to see Pill at 70. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing him. And uh, he came He came with us to see The Damned in Brighton with my, me and um, Marcus <laughs> Birdman. <laughs> he was on last week. Yeah, <laughs> good old so Birdman. You, yeah, Marcus man. Birdman and your dad. Yeah, went to see The Damned what in Brighton. A, what a day out. What a, da- what a collection of haircuts <laughs> that must have been. Well, I was well. This is it. We look, I was. I was saying to my dad. I, was, I bought my dad tickets for Christmas, and I'm like, I'll go and see the damn. And then Marcus went, Oh, can I come? I went, Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, absolutely. So we all went and saw the damn together. Sound Lovely. Nice. Sounds very nice. Yeah. And, uh, dad just lent. Dad just lent us lent against the wall at the back of the gig. It was the Brighton Dome, and uh, yeah, Marcus and I had a bit of a jump <laughs> up and down. <laughs> so you two went and pogoed, and he he said he went, Oh. Yeah, have to, I'm gonna have to sit this one out. Yeah, yeah he he pokes don't he just yeah. sat down and watched. Yeah. Had a nice time. Poke don't. Yeah, poke don't. So a certain age, but um, but that works. So you you sort of went seamless. Did you go seamlessly through like the Happy Mondays and then right into Britpop? Then just yeah, kind of. Well, I had kids. Mind you, I got derailed a bit. Not derailed. That's it the word. Is I, the word. I had kids. Exactly. When that was the, that was the main thing I noticed. The big difference they say it changes when you have kids, and what changed for me is I stopped. I couldn't afford to buy albums anymore when they came out. I had to no. wait till they had the seven pound sticker on. At the, that that was yes. top end for me. Yeah. Seven. I'm wait. I'm I'm waiting four months until it's gone down to four. Yeah, that was it. And a big sale at Christmas. You couldn't. You couldn't be. Yeah, you couldn't have fucking afford it, and it, and you, you know, your your life becomes the kids. So you're you're still aware of your music, but not as f- much. The you know, thought of you spending know, ev- money on two tickets to go and see a band now, it's like you know, seventy quid a ticket, hundred forty oh, quid. Got it's two hundred yeah. quid to see a band with two kids. It's just out of the question, suddenly, isn't it? We used to used to. Yeah, exactly. You remember when you used to hear of a band playing that night? Remember that? What a feeling. Are they on go. tonight? Oh, there won't be tickets. I oh, might be able to get hold of some. Get some. We used to, uh, going up to town when I was a kid, so late 80s, with my mate Pat, and we'd get up there, he'd go, right, he goes, Wonder Stuff are playing the um, Town and Country Club. So he'd be, like, he'd be like, we just got on the train and got up there, and then we got the tickets off this tout, six quid, six quid each. Wow. Just go see the Wonder Stuff. When they were doing, I think, Eight-Legged Groove Machine had just come out. And that's when we saw them. Yeah, it was amazing to be able to go and do that. We go and see the football. We go. They take. We go and see Arsenal on a Wednesday. About four quid to get in. <laughs> at the, go down um, at the North Bank. Shouting <laughs> at the clock end. <laughs> you, uh, so that the first band you ever went to, the first gig you ever went to, was with your dad. And uh, yeah, and then with Odeon, sort of, yeah. who, who do you think you've seen the most over the years? What band do you think you've seen more than any other? Really? It'd be the damned. I've seen the damned. Yeah, I've seen them. God knows how many times. Seen them on most tours. Uh, I've seen them loads. Yeah, the damned. 
numerous times. I can't, couldn't tell. I saw them when they were supporting the Ramones. Jesus, you saw the Ramones? Yeah. Yeah, mate. I didn't really know much about the Ramones. Again, my dad, my dad had a mate, Dave, uh, who's no longer with us, bless him, but um, he used to go up to see bands with him. And then he said, oh, we're going to see the Ramones and, and the Damned. He's like, you want to come? I'm like, yeah, all right. So when I saw the Ramones, yeah, I didn't really know many of the songs because it was all like one, two, three, four, and then I get into it. But one, two, three, four, that was uh, that's the only bit well, I, I remember. Had their gigs hearing. only lasted about like forty minutes. Their songs were so they were so short yeah. and quick and live. They were even quicker. Yeah. And I couldn't believe how big and tall Johnny Ramone was. Yeah. He was like a lamppost in jeans. <laughs> that's quite a good one that like you've seen the Ramones with the damn supporting them. <laughs> yeah. I've been really lucky to see. I saw the Verve when they were supporting Black Crows. Um, I've been lucky seeing the bands that I've seen. I saw the Black Crows one one weekend, one Sunday, but they were doing all B sides and jamming, and it wasn't that exciting. I, I love them, but I'm not that big a fan. I didn't really know what they were playing. I'm about to leave with my my ex wife, and she just went, "Hang on a minute, it's going to be an encore." And uh, we're watching the encore. I'm like, "Is that is that Jimmy fucking Page?" And Jimmy Page came out and played rock and roll with the Black Crows. And that, that is why you never go before the encore. Never leave before uh, the yeah. encore. Because you People don't know what's going to happen. People thinking, oh, I'll go and get the tube, miss the encore, that right there. No, exactly. exactly. I missed. I didn't go and see Ocean Colour Scene in 1996 or seven because I was working. And for some reason I went, oh, I've got to work. And I gave my tickets to my to my mum and dad and my sister. And they went off to see Ocean Colour Scene in the mid, you know, when Ocean Colour Scene blew up. And then I remember coming in that night and saying to my sister, how was it? And she went, oh, I saw Oasis. I went, no, it wasn't Oasis. It was, uh, it was Ocean Colour Scene. She went, no, no, no. Oasis came out with them and play, and went through. They did, I can't remember what they did, but they blasted through some tune with them just before Oasis were wow. massive. Yeah, so Liam and Noel came out and played, played whatever it was. Yeah, like Day Tripper or something yeah. like that by the Beatles or something. Wow. So you you were like Matt. probably in uh, Britpop, you were well into Oasis, but you so you were a bit you probably appreciated them more than me. me yeah. I just thought, I just thought everyone has a band like this when they're fifteen. It's quite now it's now you're older, yeah. you look back on it and you think how lucky I what you were at the age you were to have a band like for you the Mondays. I was yeah. fifteen. What's the story? More yeah. than Glory came out two days after I was fifteen. I mean that that's. It's a good band to have. Uh, I saw them on the chart show doing Supersonic, and I didn't. I wasn't asked. I was like, ah, yeah, another indie band. You know, they look. I didn't really take much notice, to be honest. I kind of went, mm. yeah, whatever. It was the video to Supersonic on the roof at King's Cross. Yeah, and then yeah, I was like, yeah, fine. And then I remember seeing the single out and about. And I'm like, oh, that's that band. I didn't really take any notice. And then I was in a record shop in Greenwich with my son, and my son was two. And um, and I remember being in there, and they were playing Shaker Maker, and I remember going, "Cheeky cunts, the cheeky bastards." That's that's the fucking cokehead. I'm yeah. like, I went, "Who's this?" And you know, that's Oasis. And I went, "Right, I'm having this." So I bought that, and then suddenly it just clicked, and I went, "I need to have everything that this band chucks out." I just I just had to have it, and then I remember. Uh, definitely, maybe came out, and I remember queuing for that, and just just. In, I, I remember I've said this story before. I remember queuing for it in Croydon HMV, 
And I'm standing there and my young lad, he's, he's going, it was a really hot day and he's going mad, going, oh, daddy, daddy, daddy. I'm like, look, just let daddy buy this and then we'll go and get an ice cream or something like that. We were going to go, and I said, just, let yeah, me, yeah. just let me get this, just let me get this. And he was having, he's ramping himself up. He's getting more and more irate. I'm like, just wait, just wait. And he's like, ah, and he got so angry. He turned around and he went to bite me uh, and he bit the end of my knob <laughs> through my jeans. Well, this is why you were queuing for definitely, mate. Yeah, yeah. I nearly fucking frisbeed the record across the shop because he just, he just caught. I, I, he spun round. I, he just got like we all we spun. We moved. We moved at the same time, and he didn't mean to. He obviously just was freaking out, and he, yeah. and he just bit, and he bit my penis. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> you fuck, and just yeah. Um, so every time. I think about definitely maybe. I remember the time my own son bit my penis through my jeans. <laughs> that's yeah. That's not your standard. Nah. Uh, nah. Remember buying an album story. I mean, you were you were more kind of when you were a kid taking in smell of weed. Yeah. A raster talking to your mum and dad. Yeah. When it went the other way, at no point did you bite your dad's penis when he nah. was uh, carefully going through <laughs> damned records. Exactly. <laughs> you've told your son about you've told your son about this. Yeah. I'm mean, you've mentioned it a couple of times. Yeah, he, he, definitely. Maybe one of the greatest debuts ever. But whenever you I see it, <laughs> you think it, your son bit your knob. Yeah, every time. But then, but then the memories of that album. That album was everywhere, um, and I remember just. I had it on the vinyl and I remember just looking at the pictures of the boys in the middle and just like, wow, they look cool. They look so cool. And yeah, I just loved it. And, and I just ne- I just couldn't get enough of them. Yeah, um, it does look yeah. iconic straight away. That that. Yeah. I bet it did at the time, as soon as you got it, that album. As soon as you got it, it was, I've, it, I've never felt like that about an album before it was it was so exciting to have it because there'd been such a build up because the singles were so strong and it was just they just exploded and it, you just need a mate of mine uh, Simon Rhodes who's, I've known him years and he collects vinyl and, and he inspired me a lot with musical choices and things like that and he wouldn't normally go for Oasis it's not normally his thing but even he had it on in his car it was like the soundtrack to the summer that year or the year after, yeah. it was like everybody just had Oasis on. See, I think yeah. I was a little bit too young for Definitely Maybe. Mm. I would have been about, uh, it came out in 93. 94, yeah. 94? Yeah, 94. 94 yeah. And um, I, uh, so I was like 13, so I was a bit young to be going to buy it. Yeah. I've never queued up for an album. Oh, mate. It's not, like, of, it's not often you queue up for an album, is it? No, and the queue was massive. Like, it was out the door. Everybody, cool. Everybody was getting it. And I've still got that. I've still got that copy. My my dad recently, a couple of years ago, gave me his record collection because he's like, it just sits upstairs in the spare room. He's like, you know, do you want it? I'm like, yeah, of course. Um, so then, I, and in amongst that, when I needed a bit of money uh, when I was younger, and he bought some records off me. So in amongst all of his collection was the records that I had sold him, and in that was the original first pressing of Definitely Maybe. Wow. So, yeah. Because yeah, because I don't. I just think of that album as an album. I can't yeah. imagine uh, hearing Supersonic and going, "Oh yeah, Shaker Maker." I didn't think of that. I've never really been that fussed about Shaker Maker. It's no. a bit of a throwaway one, isn't it? Yeah. But imagine hearing it at the time and that yeah. catchy uh, rip off of the Coke advert. 
it was would have, that would have been pretty catchy. It would have been everywhere. Yeah, and then later, but, and then when you listen to the album and you listen to cigarettes and alcohol, and this has been well documented, as you know. When you hear that opening riff and you go, "That's T Rex, man! What the fuck? Like they're not even they're not even hiding it." Yeah, <laughs> and that's what it was, I think. That's why they they resonated so much because they their attitude and everything like they they didn't give a fuck, and we just had we just had grunge. And so yeah. that was all like, like Noel said himself, it's all like, I hate myself and I want to die. And he's like, fuck that, man. I want to live forever. I want to be, I want to be a fucking rock and roll star. What's the, you're, why are you feeling sorry for yourself? You're a millionaire. I'm sitting in a yeah. bed, I'm sitting in a bed sit with my dad's fucking second hand guitar and you're moaning from your mansion. He goes, go fuck yourself. And I think that, that's why Oasis exploded the way they did. You know, that attitude of, I don't give a fuck, I'm just going to have it. That's a cracking description. See, I don't remember that as much. I remember more sort of what the story because I'd have been a little bit too young for that. But that's that's what it. Well, people who slag Oasis off, you got, uh, you know, being young and hear just hearing someone going, "You need to be yourself. You yeah. can't be no one else." You're like, fucking right, Liam. Fucking right. <laughs> it was such, and the Beatles weren't cool up until that point. No one gave a fuck about the Beatles. They were long gone. What your age? When you I mean? yeah, no one. I was going to say people. They people do before now. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people <laughs> did before. They didn't in my house. We didn't have the Beatles when I was growing up. My dad had, I've said this loads, my dad had the White Album and that was it. Yeah. And that was because my mum had bought it for him for a Valentine's present. That was the only reason we had that in the house. My dad hated the Beatles. He was like, nah, they're a girl's band, they're a girl's band. So it wasn't <laughs> until, yeah. I've never heard anyone yeah, yeah, yeah. call the Beatles a girl's band. <laughs> so, they're like fucking yeah. one direction to your dad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly what he said. And then, wow. and, and then it wasn't until Oasis came along and they were going on about the Beatles. And I was like, the fucking Beatles? Why are they talking about the Beatles? And I was yeah. I remember living with this guy, Stuart, and he had the, the compilation albums, the, you know, the Beatles, the Blue and the Red. Yeah, and I remember like they were wanging on about um, uh, "I Am the Walrus," and they did they, they yeah. covered it, and I'm like, "What is this song?" And I remember just putting that album on, and I put on "I Am the Walrus," and it blew my head off. I was like, "Ah, oh, get it, I get it now." And so, you know, even though yeah, I remember, even though we didn't like the Beatles, I remember what we had the video cassette of "Yellow Submarine," the, the animation. Yeah, that was on a lot when I was a kid. So we love that. Yeah. And then I played that to my kids when they were born. That was like the first sort of thing I made them watch. Yellow Submarine. You used to have it on all the time. So they've always been there, the Beatles, but they weren't they weren't cool until Oasis came along and went, you need to check out the Beatles. That's where the anthologies came from. Was all that because this this newfound love of the Beatles from that well that's yeah. that's where I I kind of got into um that Oasis, I got into them. I've said this before. It stopped me getting into Oasis because I was obsessed with the Beatles at the age of about when the anthology came out, yeah. which was about like uh, 95, 96, I think 96. Yeah, yeah. It's and, about, um, yeah, about 95 or so. So I was obsessed with the Beatles. Just, I don't know why, just because it seemed like really historically important. So I was just, and then Oasis was saying we're bigger than the Beatles. So I didn't like Oasis right, at first. I was like, yeah. hey, 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 don't, don't you, don't you, <laughs> don't you talk about the Beatles like that, you little scallywags. Who are these? And then obviously, and then I remember what it was. I remember clearly when Oasis walked, when Liam walked off that American tour. Yeah, I remember where I was. You know, you remember exactly where you were when you hear something on the news, and really something in your brain clicks. Yeah. Going around a roundabout in Northampton, <laughs> and someone on the radio went. Just some moron on the radio go, 
Oh, it's terrible that Oasis might split up because they're, they're like our Beatles. That was the first time yeah. I went, oh, yeah, maybe I should stop listening to the, the actual Beatles <laughs> and appreciate m- my version of the Beatles. And that's when I got... And I was, I was mental into Oasis and haven't stopped since. But yeah. I sort of missed out. Definitely, maybe. I was more... What's the story was more... Well, you see, the thing is, um, I'm not asked about... I don't mind what's the story. I don't... I Personally, I don't think it's their best... It's. I remember that it came along at the right time, and everybody, and rightly so, went mental for it. And Nebworth happened, and it was all part. I think that's the thing as well. It's what what was happening around the records. Not just not just the records themselves. You know, there was a there was a there was suddenly there was this there was hope and there was a positivity in the air, and and then, and then Tony Blair yeah, came along in '97. Yeah, and everyone was like, everyone felt buoyed by it. Or there was a there was a positivity that. You know, there was like, ah, oh, things are going to be all right. We're going to be, things are going to change, man. Yeah, because England became kind of, Britain became uh, really cool because it was yeah. Damien Hurst. Oh, that was it, like, yeah. Literature all the art was massive. Yeah. Kate Moss was like massive all around the world. So, we, like, Britain seemed really cool. Yeah. And I didn't know any different because I was like 15, 16 while that was happening. I just thought Britain was really cool. Yeah. And everything was going to be great. And as you as you were young, that feeling of being 16, 17, you, you just thought that's what it felt like to be that age and everything's going to be amazing. Um, yeah. And Oasis were kind of the soundtrack to it. Yeah. And they were, and they were like, had that, uh, you know, we're, we're the best in the world and and um, don't give a shit what yeah. anyone tells you. Do what you want. You're the, you know, yeah. you think you're the best in the world. It's something you can be. That's what it felt like. That's exactly what teenager. it was. Teenager. Yeah. Yeah. You just, got to, you just got to go out there and go, I'm the fucking dog's bollocks. And, that's why, and, that's why yeah, that yeah, belief. Yeah, you know, I get people slag Oasis off sometimes. I think sometimes you've got to appreciate, even if you don't like them, uh, like, Lee, you forget Liam was like 19 or something of during Definitely Maybe. Yeah. He was 19. Yeah. And then what's the story? 20, that kind of age. And he was saying that they're the best band in the world. Yeah. I wouldn't even dare be in a fucking band at the age of 19, <laughs> let alone... Who, who at the age of 19 would have the balls to say, we're the best in the world and I don't give a shit what anyone thinks? And that's why people loved them. And that's and, and the fact that when you went to see them, they didn't, there wasn't dance routines, there wasn't any flashing lights. It was them and they just stood still. They didn't do anything. They just stood there. And you're like, fuck me. Because before that we'd had, you know, it was all dancing around and, and running about and, and they were just stare, there. And, and Liam would just be staring the crowd out. Yeah. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? It really resonated with everybody. And you get, I've said this already, but you get, you get, you do get written off if you go, oh, I like Oasis. People go, well, you're obviously a knobhead then. You're a meathead. Yeah. You know, and, but then there's other things, like I said earlier, there's, there's more basic, there's basic bitches running the world, which is why all the shit gets up the charts and things like that. But there's a thing, there's yeah. like, people do say that, oh, yeah, but Oasis are in that, they only basic bitches like them, only morons like them. So it's a quandary. You kind of, yeah. You know. Yeah, well, because the, the, they went so massive. Yeah. That, But I, I remember my mate, Daki, Neil Dak, someone, nice. a DJ at a wedding, gave him a double tape, right? And what he'd done, this DJ, he'd recorded all the B-sides of Oasis. Yeah. In order, wow. without any of the singles. Yeah. And my mate gave me that. So I had all of Oasis B-sides on a tape in order. 
brilliant. And I, I remember listening, because that's the thing about Oasis, people who slag them off, I keep saying this, but in two albums, they released probably four albums worth of not only music, but of singles. Yeah. Not even album tracks, four, four albums worth of singles. Yeah. yeah. All of their B-sides could have been singles. And yeah. I remember listening to those songs, and because they were B-sides, you felt like you'd discovered them and you had a little ownership over them that yeah. other people didn't know about this. <laughs> Only I know about Half the World Away. That's it. Yeah. But that is how it felt, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then they had, and they, they, you know, got the, the master plan is a, is a B-side and they just yeah. flung it out. And you're like, that's one of their best songs. What the fuck? You know, it was, I mean, later on, their B-sides weren't, weren't as great as they were earlier on. But, you know, to, have, to be that prolific, you know, it's incredible. It should be. They get. They get. I mean, at the moment, they get. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they just they were slagging off the Beatles. They were like, "Ah, oh, Beatles are shit." I think they're overrated. <laughs> you know, they changed the musical landscape. They 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 were doing stuff that no other bands were doing, and they go, "Nah, it's overrated." You go, "Well, you do it then. You come up with. You come up with Sergeant <laughs> Pepper when you've only no, got you, when you've got you've only got a broom handle to to like loop the tapes around." Around, you know, you go and make Sergeant Pepper on the stuff that they had to do it on back then, even though What's it was state of the art for the time of the, you know, it was Ab- Abbey Road. But yeah, you ain't you but ain't coming up with Sergeant uh, Pepper. What what year was sixty six? Sixty six. Yeah. How how long ago was that? Now I can't do the maths of that. That was fifty four years. Yeah. So uh, tomorrow never knows is fifty four years old. Yeah. Nearly half. Half a century old, yeah. over half a century old, and it sounds like it's it, put it on the radio now. Yeah, and it sounds better than anything today. It's incredible. I mean, you think about when we were kids, and then they used to play old music when we were kids. Yeah, and it was shit. You weren't harking back to that. You were like, oh god, I don't, oh, that's just old people's music. But from the sixties, sort of fifties, early 50, the late fifties, early sixties onwards, you can you put all that. We haven't. We haven't really moved on that much. It doesn't feel. You can still play songs that are fifty years old and go. Ah, oh, sounds amazing. Yeah, fun in it. Yeah, and all the oh yeah, all the because when I remember yeah when they were that's maybe why when they were anthology came out and they were talking about so that would have been say ninety five then yeah and, um, so that's twenty five years sixty seventy eighty hang on yeah twenty five years since the Beatles split up. And that seemed like a lot. That's like another world away when yeah. you're 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, what? But now, 25 years? But now, like Oasis 25 year anniversaries are happening. You're like, whoa, that's mad. Not, it doesn't seem that long ago. I know, I know. It's nuts, isn't it? But they, but Oasis tapped into something that maybe Blur didn't. Blur, Blur, I mean, we all bought, we all bought the same, we were all buying the albums. We all bought Blur records and there wasn't any like Oasis or Blur. It was just a news thing. Yeah. But, but Oasis kind of resonated more with the people than Blur did. Blur did later on when they came back and did the big gigs in Hyde Park. People, obviously, rightly so, you know, went mad. But at the time, Oasis were just, they were like the lads in the pub. You could relate to them. They wore the same trainers as you and the same coat. And they were just, they were just your mates, but doing it in a band. And that's why we, that's why we loved them. You know? Yes, yeah, I, st- I still. I still remember that uh, interview on the news. I think Noel Gallagher had said. So. I think it was the one where he said that taking drugs like a cup, of, having a cup of tea. Yeah. As some news reporter who's at his front door, 
And he goes, uh, I was asked a question, I gave an answer. If you don't yeah. like it, then fucking ask me questions. Nothing yeah. you or anyone else can do about it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and I look at that, I remember at the time going, wow. Yeah. He's a rock, but he's a rock star and he's like old. He must have. He was probably twenty six. Yeah, he was but old. Imagine being yeah. twenty six and all the news reporters are at your door. I can handle that now. <laughs> and he's just like, yeah. Well, what, what are you going to What are you going to do about it? And people, Brilliant. people look at it. They go, oh, they're oafs. They're they're morons. They're this. They go. They were honest. They were real. They're working class lads, being fucking rock stars, proper rock stars. And now. You know, you get you know they're not they're all they're all worried about getting cancelled and you know they're all doing like they've got to get behind causes and things like that and you're like no you're rock stars that's why you do yeah. this you know you can still change lives by doing what you're doing you're giving people something to aspire to be we all wanted to be rock stars when we were kids yeah and now you wanted and, to be a footballer or a rock star yeah but, and um, now there's I don't want to be a, I don't want to be I don't want to be a rock star now there's no one to be. Everyone's quite, they're all safe and you've got Coldplay's Chris Martin. I mean, I'm not knocking Coldplay. They've got some great songs, but, you know, his wife's making candles out of her vagina. and Yeah. You know, like, yeah. yeah. She's making some waxy candles. <laughs> um, I don't know, Do you know I, what? I Marcus Bergman Marcus yeah. said that this podcast would end up being the Oasis Appreciation Society. <laughs> he said. Such a bad ending. Yeah, fuck him. He doesn't yeah. like Oasis anyway, and he hates oh, the fact no, that. We'll discuss that. We'll yeah, discuss oh that. mate, he, he's he's one of them where he just sneers. You're like, no, he's like, no, it's shit. Go, it can't be shit, can it? Yeah, he loves he loves a sneer. Loves but, a um, sneer, but he loves the damned as well. You does. Went, um, yeah, man. And you went with him at that. Like, yes. What uh, What do you reckon is the best gig you've ever been to? I tell you what, one of the best gigs, one of the ones that was surprisingly good in the end was uh, Ian Brown. We went to see him solo at Brixton. Brixton Academy is the, is the biggest venue I'll go to. After that, it gets too big. But yeah, Brixton, there's Brixton's no perfect. place to stand at Brixton. Everywhere you've got yeah, a good view. It's fucking it great. It slopes gradually. It's great. Perfect venue. And we went to see Ian Brown, and we were there, and I remember I was with this, my girlfriend at the time, Shell, and we sort of stood there. And Ian Brown comes out, and we're like, oh, it's fucking Ian Brown. And he starts singing, and we're like, oh, my God, it's appalling. He can't, yeah. he's really out of yeah, tune. And you're going, ah, oh, shit. And everyone's kind of looking at each other going, oh, my God. But then, halfway through, my pill kicks in. As he as he starts, he gets into Made of Stone by the Stone Roses. As my, it's, like, oh, it's just this beautiful, just this beautiful chemical uh, holding hands as we get taken up into the stratosphere. And it was one of the best gigs I've ever been to. Just that moment, it all changed, and we were all singing along Stone Roses songs. I like Ian Brown's solo stuff, but his singing was terrible. Yeah, I didn't know. I, I remember finding that out because I was mental in the Stone Roses as well, and I yeah. didn't know this. I remember watching Oasis at Main Road video relentlessly because oh, yeah. that, that is breathtaking, that gig. I thought all gigs were like that, just um, word perfect. Every Every yeah. bit of it is amazing. So I thought bands, gigs on videos are like that. And then I got the Stone Roses at Blackpool. Oh, I was yeah. like, is this, is this video is this warped or something? This doesn't sound, doesn't sound right. It's not great, is it? That, that's how I found out. I didn't know. But um, no, no, one, no, solo. One, no one said it. No one mentioned it. No one said he can't sing. Everyone... Until Reading, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no one could oh, deny yeah. it. Yeah. You're like, this is really bad. Really bad. But, but you know, I've cool. seen him recently... 
um, on stuff, and he sounds a lot better. Oh, really? On that, well, on that, um, on that uh, Stone Roses documentary, Shane Meadows one. Yeah, it sounded oh, yeah. good on that. Oh, maybe, oh, maybe they auto tune the video. <laughs> There's a chance of that. He's a black belt and stuff. I've got to be careful. He might kick me head in if he listens to this. Yeah, got to be careful. But, um, uh, so you reckon that that was the best? That's one. Gig? Of the... I think I think the pill has to take some of the credit for that. Yeah, I think that's what it was. It was a chemical. Yeah. I suddenly got a chemical hug, and it went, "Come on." let's do this and I went ah oh, yeah and just as it went into made of stone as well opening bars I was like oh yeah, perfect Jesus. and then we're all fucking hollering you know sometimes ah and it went mad it went mad the place went ballistic it's brilliant one of the best gigs I've ever been to and this might be controversial um, Good. was Reef oh yeah Reef again oh, at Brixton your hands that one mate they were electric yeah yeah they really were fucking brilliant yeah really good I did not know of this yes I got into them they had their their first album or their song I think it's a song Naked and it was on it was on an advert for like cassette tapes or something like that and that's where everyone got into Reef that's where that came from their first album and then uh, and then yeah Place Your Hands came out and everyone went nuts for Reef Fucking great band life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. Have you ever got, is that, how did, I mean, have you ever got into a band by accident? Have you ever got in a band in a weird way? Uh, have I ever got into a band at all? Um, like a support band or. Oh, I tell you what, I tell you what, I, I went to see a band called the Dirt Bombs. They're like this Detroit um, like band and they were brilliant. I went to see them at the garage in Islington and uh, and I'm there with Neds and Neds used to do the sound up the creek in Croydon and me and him went out and see the, and we stood there and then the support band were all sitting up and we're like, is that the keyboards? The key, why are the keyboards right up front of the stage? That doesn't look good. That's going to be terrible. <laughs> and then the band come out and they go, and they're brilliant. And we were like, oh my God, this is amazing. And I looked to my right and there was Ian Asprey from the cult stood next to me in his Jim Morrison days. And I was like, oh my God, it's Ian Asprey. And you know, we kind of nodding at each other, going, it's fucking great, it's fucking great. And it was the Killers. The Killers were supporting. Oh, all right. Well, this is before they blew up. This is before everyone, anyone had ever heard of them. They were supporting the, the, the dirt bombs at the garage. And they were amazing. Garage in Islington. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing. It was wow. amazing. I'm not a big fan of the Killers now, but then it was like. I've had this oh my God. conversation with um, Jared. Yeah, I remember the first two albums were. Mm. Unbelievable! Their, yeah. their debut album is one of the best debuts. Hot fuss, excellent. But then I was saying to Jared, they went a bit, um, they went a bit disco anthem. Yeah, not even good disco. I love a bit of disco, but that's not good disco. Yeah, I don't know what happened to them. No. But, um, God, that's a good. And it's funny that when you see them becoming massive, doing huge gigs, you know, yeah. I, saw, I saw you supporting. Yeah, uh, Islington. Yeah, Islington. Never, you, yeah, the garage. In your yeah. brain, you never. In your brain, you you'll never let them get over that. I don't know. You're thinking that <laughs> they're there doing these massive gigs, but in your brain, you're going, "Yes, it's all very well." Yeah, well, you're still. But don't you're don't still forget there. where I saw you, even though you don't know me. <laughs> but I've seen loads yeah. of bands like that, like the Verve, like I said, supporting Black Crows. They they were amazing. Uh, Twisted Wheel supporting Oasis. They were oh, good. Yeah. They're a good band. Um, yeah, so I think. Loads of people don't bother with the support bands, but I always just just like to be. I like the atmos. I like to hear the bands tuning up. Like when you when you're stood around at the gig and you've got your pints, and you're there and you can hear them. Te- they're like tuning the like setting the drums up. 
love, yeah, I love that. The anticipation yeah. of do, yeah. Do, do, do. yeah. That's and the guitar. it. And then the and then the the, the like yeah. And then the lights go down. And you, you see just, someone yeah. walk on. You oh. think? Like, we, oh, no, it's a roadie. It's just a roadie. Don't worry. It's just a roadie. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that? No, it's a roadie. Yeah. Is, it, is that Ian Brown? No, no, no. That's a roadie. I remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all that. I just love all that. I, I tell you what. I remember. I saw um, Reverend and the Makers last year. Electric ballroom. I was on my own, and I'm wandering around, and I was stood at the side just before they came out, and um, they were playing all. They were it's all music from Sheffield because that's where they're from, yeah. and uh, they played the Human League. Don't you want me, baby? And I tell you what, I videoed it because it was so spectacular. Watching this group of there was like 90 percent geezers, and they're all jumping up and down, going, "Don't you want me, baby?" And it was beautiful. <laughs> It was so good, and then the band came what out. Euphoric and were fucking brilliant. moment, yeah. Yeah, and those moments. This is why. This is why going to see bands and people want to feel part of something. We want to feel part of a gang, or part. You know, you want to, You're like. That's why you go to these places and you're all as one. You're like, yeah, we're fans of this band. We're connected, and I think all this shit with COVID has really shone a light on the fact that we need human connection. We need to be part yeah, of something. How, how much like I. Don't go to live gigs as much as I did, but I had two booked in that I was going to see that that have not happened. And yeah. I really, really now, really, I, I didn't think much of it at the time. I thought, well, I'll see them when they're rescheduled. But yeah. now I'm like, I can't remember. It feels like a lifetime ago since I saw a live band. Yeah, it's, yeah, I really miss it. I miss it as well. Go just just that that whole night. Go to the pub beforehand. And then you, yeah. you have a few beers, and the last was the last live band I saw. I think I saw the Slackers in Camden with with Marcus. <laughs> they're a good band, yeah. Good I fucking like them band, are they? Yeah, Slackers. They're like sort of a sort of ska reggae. They've been going around and going for years. And Marcus had been on about them for ages, and then they they went, oh, they're playing. We're going to go. Phenomenal band, the Slackers. Fucking brilliant band. Good, well, I was going to ask at the end, what's the good? Oh, there you Either go. You're a band that you recommend at the moment. You've done that one. Slackers. The one I like asking now at the moment uh, is, uh, it's been the same answers two, two weeks in a row, so I know you'll be different. <laughs> if there was, because that was Jeff Innocent and Marcus Birdman, so right. uh, it, they were very similar, their answer, but <laughs> if, the, if there was one album, one album that you said to somebody about this album, that you love this album, and they said they hate that album, that you can never truly, ne- mm. you can never have anything to do with that person again. <laughs> oh wow! Um, I reckon um, the the infected. All right, that is an album that will will stay with me forever. That one and Frankenchrist by Dead Kennedys. I think I judge people that that don't get on board. I put on um, the the infected at work at the t-shirt place I've been working at because the lads they like one of them Jody he listens to thrash metal and all this other dark stuff which is not very soothing and then the other lads they like a bit of it like a bit of Beastie Boys Public Enemy and then there's a lot of Blink 182 and Green Day and stuff like that and yeah. I'm like oh, I'm going to put on they went what do you want to come on Rich you're the music boy what do you want on and I put on the the infected and they never none of them none of them got into it none of them got into it they kind of went, eh, it's a bit 80s, isn't it? I'm like, oh my God, 
right? And um, you were uh, can't work. You here. typed out your resignation <laughs> yeah, letter. I just just ripped out all the t-shirts. When you can shove this fucking job, how dare you? Uh, yeah. yeah, I judge people on. I'm, I try not to be a music snob, but I'm terrible. Really? Uh, yeah. Spoke to Marcus. He's, do you know what? He makes me die. I said to him... He's not a music snot. He's a music fascist. <laughs> and I love it. Because he, he always takes a piss. He goes, why, why? He goes, what's that? That's shit. It's not like, oh, it's not really for me. He's like, no, that's shit. Yeah. Like, it's not shit. <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah. It's like, you don't like it. It doesn't mean it's shit. And he's like, no, it's shit. And you shouldn't be listening to it. And then I'm like, <laughs> but you, all you do is wank off over one Clash album. You can get fucked as well. Anyone that just I I I'm not a big fan of the Clash. I don't mind oh some God. of it, but I'm not a big Clash fan. And people go, "Well, there's something wrong with me." I'm like, "No, it just didn't speak to me. It doesn't speak to me." I like some of it. I'm not not asked, but I I I think a lot of people will will talk about being fans of the Clash because they feel that's what they have to say. But it's like people that say, everyone goes, "Oh yeah," you know. There's some people that don't like football, and you know, I'm one of them as well. Um, yeah, and then when you really get, you go, right, do you really like football? You go, no, I just, I just, do, I just have to say it because I'm with the lads. It's like people <laughs> like the Clash. They go, oh, you go, really? Do you really like the Clash? And they go, no, not really. But it just, I don't, I can't say that I don't. <laughs> just, and I'm like, ah, fuck the Clash, man. <laughs> wow, what a way, what a way to end. There you go, fuck the Clash. <laughs> what a way to end. Who I knew it in there? I think it's more about the people that say they like the Clash that piss me off. It's yeah, like, if you don't like The Clash, then you're an idiot. You go, no, not really. So I've slagged off yeah. The Clash, but I've been bigging up Oasis. <laughs> oh, no, I feel, that, feels, that feels right. Yeah. But, uh, the, the, I have to get on that. I've not got on, I've not listened to, I've not In, listened to any The, the. Ah, oh, mate, The, the Infected, get on it. It's even got right. Naina Cherry on backing vocals on Slow Train to Dawn. Yes. Oh, okay, then. Okay, <laughs> then. Let's do that. Yeah, do Rich. it. Mate. Rich, this this cut and shut patchwork of a podcast has been an absolute uh, joy. Thank you for having me, mate. I've, I've, it was a long time coming, but we got there. A podcast from producer Paul UK. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming, and podcast production.